I uh, want to share to you with something. It's, it's, uh, uh, I really feel it's been on my heart. It's kind of funny that we were talking about it last, last Sunday after service at our table, some things, and you know, no one really knew what I had in my, on the agenda for what I was going to speak. And then I heard Beth uh, Grant also say that a while ago in, ago in one of her closing statements. Incidentally, uh, Beth and David Grant were missionaries to Calcutta, India, and my goodness, the power of God's been on their lives for greater than 50 years. Uh, they've been out there serving and helping and setting people free, and so I'm glad. I'd like to partner with people like that that are doing great things for the kingdom of God. And uh, anyway, I want to read to you today uh, just a couple of verses, and then we'll refer to some others as we go. I'm going to try and be as concise as I possibly can because I want you to get all of this and uh, absorb it all, okay? I want to read from 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 3 at the moment. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. You always have to, you know, I feel like you have to do that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, tomorrow night about this time, a seah of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seahs of bar barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and he said, look, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven open, could this thing be? And Elisha said, well, in fact, you'll see it with your eyes but you won't eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the gate. This is verse four, verse three rather. Four leprous men at the gate, at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here till we die? Why are we sitting here till we die? For the next little bit, I want to, I just want to, uh, minister and ask this question, why not? Why not? And we'll fill in the blanks as we go. Four leprous men whose lives had, uh, you know, they, they had to live by themselves. They had to announce their predicament, their condition. They couldn't walk among the crowds. They had to cry out if they were walking down a road and someone was coming the other way. They had to yell out, leper, unclean to give the people warning to get on the other side of the street or not to come near them. That's the type of life they did. They were excommunicated all by themselves, and that was the part of their life. I don't know how old they were. I don't know how long they had it, but can you imagine living a life like that, that you were depicted and people saw you coming and they didn't want to be around you. They avoided you by all means. So today I want to speak to you. I'm going to give you three points. Uh, three points to this message, and when I say that, I mean literal points, three literal points. We're going to have the talking points, turning points, and tipping points. Talking points, turning points, tipping points today. Can't separate my papers. First, I want to look at the talking point. Can you imagine, imagine if you would, please, advance that, a talking point. So the talking point is where it says there that something, uh, something that people are interested in and want to talk about. It's, it's a subject that someone talks about or an, 
uh, an interest. I can't read this, it's too small. Or, an, or a statement someone makes at a meeting, a speech, etc., or in order to uh, support their views. Now, I'm sure if you've ever been around anybody, there's always talking points that take place. There's talking points around the water cooler at work. There's talking points at the table. Talking points at your dinner table. There's talking points at, uh, wherever you go. Talking points at the coffee shop, whatever table you're at. I gather with a bunch of pastors. Incidentally, glad to have Pastor uh, Walter Hilton with us today. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. But uh, meeting with a bunch of pastors over at Uncle T Lenny's and Babe Champion always comes in and he says, I got to come over to this table before I get with those guys because they all tell lies. You guys tell the truth. <laughs> I said, well, we do evangelistically speak sometimes, but anyway, but anyway, we're, we're there and we talk about different things and stuff, stuff that pops up, talk about football, probably talking points around different tables. But I can only imagine what the talking point might have been at that time. We can kind of figure it out when we think about these four guys and the lives that they live and the condition that was going on. You have to understand the talking point of that day was the economy was so bad. Now, we don't ever talk about that, do we? Gas prices, food prices, the cost of living going out of control and all that. But anyway, we don't ever talk about that. But anyway, the talking point of that time, I'm sure was talking about how desperate times were. And these were God's people. They'd been promised blessings. They'd been promised everything that God's given to them, but their disobedience put them in another condition. And so the talking point of that time, leading up to it, is there's a famine going on that's affected Israel at this time, affected all the people. And obviously some people want to blame this and blame that, Nobody wants to assume the responsibility of the blame that they've made it happen because of their disobedience. But anyway, they have this condition where things are really out of hand. In fact, it had gotten so out of hand that the chapter before this, it talks about uh, in the sixth chapter, verse 24, that things have gotten to the place where uh, food was so scarce that a donkey head would cost 80 shekels of silver. Number one, I don't know that I would want a donkey head. Can you imagine sitting down to the table? That would be the talking point, right? Yeah. Whoa. But 80, 80 shekels of silver just to have enough meat off of a donkey head to survive. And then it said that there was a pint. You know those little, uh, uh, what is it? Ben and Jerry's boxes, Baskin Robbins, they give you those little pints. Only it wasn't filled with Cherry Garcia or Fudge Brownie or anything like that. It was filled with dove dung. <laughs> Here, here's some droppings from a dove, a pint of it, but it's going to cost you uh, five shekels of silver. Now, can you imagine? We had donkey for our meal and dung for our dessert. How about that? It cost us 85 shekels of silver just to have enough. In fact, things had gotten so bad that there was a couple of women that were talking about it, and things had gotten so bad that they came to an agreement. This woman came up to the other one. She says, we got two children. Where's Marcus and Kelly? They, did I see them leave? Are they in the back? They got their brand new baby, Nora, here. We welcome Nora. And uh, anyway, it was good to see them for the moment. I, I understand. So anyway, uh, we were grateful for that. But imagine this. One woman comes up to the other one. She says, look, we both got two kids. Why don't we boil our sons 
and eat one today and then eat the other one tomorrow. What kind of mom does that? Well, there were two. So anyway, so they, the, the woman who had the idea, she says, you go first. And so the, the woman is so gullible, she boils their son and they eat it. The next day, it's the other woman who had the great idea. It's her turn. And she can't find her. She's disappeared. And so anyway, this woman is running around and she happens to be wailing. And, and the king passes by, passes by the wall there. And she says, please do something for me. And the king says, look, if the Lord can't help you, how am I supposed to help you? She goes, well, this woman made an agreement that we would eat her son or eat my son yesterday. And today we're supposed to eat hers and she's, she's out of here. And so anyway, that's how bad things had gotten. And so we had reached the point where this comes in, where it says, when the word of the Lord by Elisha, who hears things, you know what prophecy is? It's hearing from God and speaking what you hear. And that's what he said. He just began, he spoke this out. He said, look, 24 hours, things are going to change. In 24 hours, it might be desperate today. You're eating donkey and dove dung today, but things are going to change in 24 hours. How many of you know that's a good thing? How many of you need a 24-hour breakthrough? Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. So anyway, they've got this. It was at that time where eight gallons for flour, eight gallons of flour was going to cost them an amount, and then 16 gallons of barley. Uh, he says, you're going to be able to buy it for you know, just pennies, basically. And so the talking point at that time was how bad the conditions were, how tough things were, but Elisha gives them something to talk about. He gives them something different to talk about. He said, this time tomorrow, things are going to change. But not too many people were talking about it. In fact, even the king, the, king, the guy, the guard on whom the king leaned upon, he says, you kidding me? How could that possibly happen? Even if the windows of heaven would open up, there would not be enough by this time tomorrow to feed everybody. And, he, and Elijah says, okay, well, you want to talk that way? You go right ahead. He said, you're going to see it, but you won't eat of it. You mark my words. And so he gave them something else to talk about. Now, there are these four guys that are lepers, worst conditions of all. And here the, the word of the Lord has come that things are going to make a change. Things are going to turn around. Which brings us to a turning point. A turning point is a special significant moment when something begins to change. It's the time at which important change takes place. It could happen from a series of things that cause it. But... Uh, uh, that things begin to change. It makes the effects upon the future of a person or a thing. They had reached a point where it was beyond the point of just talking. Something needs to happen. And they asked this question there. And they, they bring about the reason. And one of the lepers says, he says, look, why are we sitting here till we die? Look, if we go inside, there's a famine. If we go in the gates, they don't allow us there. But if we go in there, it's a famine. We're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. Why don't we go down to Syria and just see what's up there? He says, worst case scenario, they kill us. You know, 
Best case scenario, they keep us prisoners and they'll feed us. So why don't we just do something about it? What have we got to lose? Why not take a chance on this? And I believe that so many times we pass up why nots in our life because we're convinced that something else cannot happen or won't happen. There's no situation, there's no ability that for anything to turn, but we haven't listened to what God's talking point is. Are you with me? And that's what I'm here today is to change your, sub, change your subject matter. I want to speak the word of God that gives you something to chew on beyond a donkey head. Amen? Beyond dove dung. I wanted to give you something of substance that will bring forth nourishment in your life and cause you to have a future and a hope. Amen? And that brought them to the tipping point. Now, the tipping point is an interesting, it's an interesting thing here. It's, uh, I don't have all my definitions, but what it says is the critical point in a situation or process or a system beyond which a significant and unstoppable or irreversible effect or change takes place. A tipping point. They went from talking about it to turning and considering a change in who they were and what their conditions could be, and they moved into the tipping point of that of my topic today three things turning points or talking points turning points and a tipping point the tipping point occurs whenever they rose up the bible says in verse verse five there that they rose up and said that sounds like a plan they got up from where they were and they began to go down to Syria and they had no idea what was going to wait, uh, happen there. They knew that they either faced death because the, uh, uh, the enemy would, would just destroy them or they would be prisoners. That was the best case scenario is they get a little bit of eat to eat and they were going to die anyway is what they thought. So they take that plan and they get up. And they caused an action to take place. I like what Beth said. She says, we're beyond, I didn't even know, realize that was on the, I, I heard this video six months ago uh, at Fleming Steakhouse when we were presented this. But she said they moved from the talking point to the acting point. And the acting point is where things change. That's where it all takes place. They got up and they didn't even realize what was going to happen. That they not only set in motion their own eight feet. If they had eight feet, they could have had less than that because of leprosy. But they got up from where they were and they said, why not do something about it? Why not take a chance on something else? And so they go down and when they get there, the, 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 the town is vacant. It, it's just eva everybody evacuated. There's, it's like they, they just left things going. There's pots on the stove. There's coffee dripping from the coffee maker and everything's going on. They don't even know what's taking place, but there's nobody to be found. They go into the city and the, the gates. And they go, hey, is anybody here? Can anybody help us? And they see clothes laying around as though someone had ran out because they didn't know what had taken place. And what happened was the talk that they listened to caused a turn in their life and the tipping occurred when they acted upon it and said, why do we just sit here? Let's do something. And when they did what they could do, God says, you know what? I'm going to do what I can do. And the Bible tells us that what took place is the armies and all the people of the city at that time, they heard this noise. And they heard the noise of troops that was coming after them. And all it was was four lepers. But that's not what they heard. 
They heard the sound of a host of angels. You see, we don't know what happens when we do what we're supposed to do. God can deploy angels on your behalf. He can tip over everything. He can turn the situation around. And as he did in this particular case, he, he did exactly that. The, the thing went from uh, a talking point to a turning point to a tipping point. Now, what happened to the guy? The Bible says that when they went in there, they started grabbing stuff and picking it all up. They didn't have, you know, I don't know if they had shopping carts or carry. They grabbed all they could. And they said, you know what? This is too good. We shouldn't be hogging this all to ourselves. Let's go announce it to the city and tell them, hey, they got their stuff just up for grabs down at, at uh, Syria. Why don't we go take it? Well, news gets to the king and the king says, oh, it's a trap. They're hanging out there. They're hiding. When we go in there, they'll surround us and kill us all. And they go, no, it's, it's real. We've got stuff here. And so anyway, he says, well, why don't we send down a couple of chariots and they can go down there and check it out. When they go there, they see that there's no one around. All their goods, all their spoils is just laying there for the taking. And they pick it up and they begin to run. Now, the guy who said it couldn't happen, even if God opened up the windows of heaven, he was standing guard at the gate. And when all the people began to run out of there, they trampled him to death. He saw it, but he didn't need it. Just like the prophet told him. Now that's the thing that gets me, is that the, the, the lepers, in their poorest condition, were the ones that started and initiated the turning point and the tipping point. They were the ones that caused God to get up off of his throne and say, Angels! I'm the God of angels. I'm the God of angel armies. Go down there and besiege that city. And when they started marching around there, it caused the panic and everybody runs out and makes a way for God's people to go there and get what they needed. How many of you know that he's the same God? Amen. Didn't we sing that this morning? He heard your, you heard your children then, you hear your children now. You moved the waters then, you'll move the waters now. You answered prayer back then, you'll answer prayer what right now. So I'm just thinking, you know what? We, we can have service. And, and, and over this last, I don't know how long, I've been really searching for words because we've been a, a blessed people, uh, a blessed church. We've had great ministries that have come in and out of here. And many of them prophetic, and they spoke words over us, and we've seen some of them, but we haven't seen them all to entirety. And so over this past six months, I've been trying to find little things that and, and recall in my mind, because I didn't have everything written down, but I went through and found some words that were common, because the Bible says that in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established, right? So you take individuals who have a prophetic gifting, and if they line up and it says something else, it lines up with your spirit, lines up with the word of God, it must be, must be good. So I, found, I got these uh, prophetic words that I had found, and I, I mean, I've got like 12 pages of stuff right here. 12 pages of words uh, from individuals. And, and so anyway, I, I went through there and I underlined some things that came, were in common and I kept hearing the theme going through them. Uh, and I said, Lord, uh, here's the thing. You said it and if it's real, we need to act on it. I know you can do it. But how many of you know prophecy is subject to a person taking action? Right? right? Somebody had to, four lepers had to act on that word to instigate it, right? right? right. Four lepers. And so I looked at this word, now, in, in the conditions that I met these people, I had never met them before. And it was just 
you know, it's just one of those God things that he brings people into your life. And one of them, two of them rather, was Richard and Melanie Knight. And I found a word that was eight pages long between the two of them, and someone had uh, transcribed it. Judalee gave me a copy of it. And I, I mean, it's so, it's just like everything. It's like reading a book about the church, about what we are, who we are, about me, my family, things. In, fa- in fact, none of them were there. It was just me listening to all this. And I told you last week, I said that this is the first thing that came out of his mouth, out of Richard's mouth. And he spoke and he said, God's called you and put you an apostolic function on your life. He said, I know people call you pastor, but you're really an apostle in the function that you have. You're an apostolic prophetic. And he said, that's the function. And what it is, is to set things in order. Now, a lot of people might think that's an administrative gift. That's totally different. Apostolic means the foundation upon which everything gets built must be in order to handle what's going to be built upon it. All right? Are you listening? So anyway, uh, and, and it talked about the fivefold ministry that would be here. And, and he didn't know, but I've always had my... When, when I was just young in the Lord, didn't hear much about it. You didn't hear about the function of apostles or prophets when I was growing up, you do nowadays, but it was pretty much you're either a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher. That's what everything was categorized. And two cylinders were missing, and that was the apostolic and the prophetic, and I studied that. And so anyway, he said, you're going to have a five-fold ministry working out of this church, that God wants five-fold here, okay? So anyway, I knew that even in the very beginning of this church that God would connect us with individuals who had a prophetic voice, who were apostolic in nature, teachers, evangelists, and so forth, that that's how we were. So anyway, he says within four, four times in the first page there, setting things in order. The same thing came across to a guy by the name of, uh, through a guy by the name of Charles Dixon, whom I met at Bully's Barbecue. Uh, we were there after service with Nigel McNeil and some other ministries <clears throat> that day. And this man, I'd never met him before. He was from uh, Ghana, West Africa. But here in the States, they live in, in Miami now. Incidentally, he sits on the board of directors of Sid Roth and uh, ministry. And so he begins, he begins to prophesy over me, over the church, comes in, starts picking out... People, I couldn't believe he got Brooks the way he got Brooks, man. It was, it was good. And right on. And so anyway, he says this, but everything was falling into place. This is what God says. I got to listen to two different things, two different people. And then they both use the words, all three, Richard, Melanie, and Charles used the word for this church as being a hub. In other words, a center where, every, where, where it happens and things go out from there as a hub. It said that in these words that overlapped was we were a showcase. It doesn't mean a show-off, a showcase where it would be on display where people would come and see what God was doing. Sort of like what when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, she says, I've heard of all the wisdom here, and I just had to come and check it out. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Training centers, uh, apostolic training that would take place, uh, praise and worship, teach, instructing praise and worship, multiple teams, music changing and shifting the atmospheres of the region. 
talked, uh, Bob Hazlitt talked about our media team, having guys who were so good with techie. They were techie guys and everything. They were on the front edge of that and able to do, we were able to house a lot of things. But what he said was so important to me because he says, I see you and I'll use the term, you have a deep bench. And I'd never met the guy before. He says, you know what that means? I said, yeah, I've played enough ball. I understand that you're only as good as your bench is, you know. When you can have a deep bench, he said, yep, you're going to have a bench. Somebody sits out and misses, somebody else steps up, and it, you never miss it. Talked about the youth programs that we would have, the ministries that would take place, the power of the youth ministries, even the arts. It told about Tess was going to raise up arts and teach worship, and they'd never met her, never seen her, didn't know anything. I told him we had three children, a son, two daughters, gave them their ages, and they started talking about this. And then they said that there would be a demonstration of the Spirit that would actually cause your children to want to be a part of what God was doing because they could tell it's not church as usual. It was the real deal. And said that would be the drawing card for your family wanting to say, let's go with this thing. Intercessory prayer that would begin and take place not only just overnight, one night, but 24-7. Bringing down the territorial spirit of this region. He said there will be others that will want to join in. And some you have to say no to because they have wrong motives. And there would be some that God would put together. But know what God is saying. Then it talked about finances. No lack at all. No lack. Whatever God puts in your heart, there it is. It's taken care of. And one of them said, he said, I can see that you've been knocked down, but you're still standing. Amen. Knocked down, but you're still standing. Thank God for that. Amen. 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 Talking points. <laughs> Turning points. Tipping points. Amen. Hallelujah. Where am I at on this thing? I don't know where I'm at. A tipping point, as I said, it's something where change takes place. It's a point at which something becomes irreversible and unstoppable because the mo momentum builds up so much, oftentimes slowly and quietly, until a point where it becomes impossible to go back to a previous state. Impossible. So, <laughs> Jane Hammond... I mentioned this the other night when we were in the teaching. Uh, I can't remember. We're talking about names on Wednesday night and how names are so important because they oftentimes determine destiny. I used Jane Hammond as an example. Jane and her, her, uh, her husband, Tommy, they started, they moved from California down to uh, the Gulf region of Florida 40 years ago. When they got there, everything was just desolate, wasn't much there. Buildings would try and make it, they'd go out of business. Uh, people would build homes, they'd get foreclosed on. Just seemed crazy stuff. And I, I've used this story before. But they began to find out that there was uh, a cult that was going on, witchcraft, all the different things, Satanists. They'd find um, beheaded uh, animals and carcasses on their porch and all that stuff. So they began to employ... Uh, intercessors to pray against that 
And so then God gave them a strategy later on that they, because it still wasn't really shifting. There was nothing taking place. But they happened to go down to the county records and found out that this region was called or named. It didn't have this on the, na- on the city where you drove in, but it, had, it was named Poor Man's Island. Poor Man's Island. And they said, well, we got to do something about that. That's affecting this whole area. So they started activating and doing something that would change the region. And they started, started calling it blessed and highly favored. And they started doing things. And, and uh, anyway, today, uh, it's one of the top four uh, places of real estate market in the nation. Amen. And that's where the Jacobses are watching us from right now. Business is flourishing. It's growing all the time. And their church is, is a voice to that region. In that area and so anyway I was I was interested when they were talking about names I thought of that and I looked it up and I, I, I uh, actually Judy sent me a link of a Jane Hammond word the night the night after I said that talking about that particular thing you see what happened was it had been a place where they could talk about how bad things were but they had a change and said we want to turn things around and when they started acting upon it yeah. it became a tipping point right. are you with me A tipping point is one of those things you may struggle for a while. It's like pushing something uphill. But when you get to the place, if you keep on going, no matter how much it sets you back, but you just keep going and going and going and going, maybe three steps forward and two steps back, but you just keep at it. When you reach a point where it's irreversible is when you reach the climax of that place and all of a sudden what was working against you starts working for you. Are you with me? When you get to the top of the hill and what you were pushing all of a sudden takes over. And that's what happened. When, the, when they began to believe on God's word, it caused a tipping point. And what was working against them, God was now working in their behalf to change things around. And so I tell you today, I ask you that. Why not? Why not? We have all the work. Tony Kemp, uh, who's also on Sid Roth's uh, ministry board. I gave, I'll, I'll give you the synopsis of this. This was sent to me, and this was just a, a, like highlights or bullet points. Never met the man before. Went to a service down in East St. Louis. Uh, last thing on the order, he, they were dismissing in prayer, and he said, but hold on. He said, I need to talk to you. And so anyway, I, I, uh, he said, you're a pastor, right? I said, yes, sir. And he said, does, any, does, does stakes mean anything to you? Uh-huh. Qualifying that, he said, I'm, I don't mean like ones that you eat he could see that this already he said i'm talking about the ones you like drive it down like in isaiah 54 yes. Yes. and i said well, yes sir it does yes. little did he he didn't know any of this but i had been out the week weekend before that trying to find stakes physical stakes like railroad stakes or tent stakes i went to I, I went to i felt like the lord told me to go to lowe's in granite city I drove to Lowe's in Granite City. I'm looking around. All I can see is plastic things and little bitty old badminton, you know, whatever stakes for the net. All this stuff. It, didn't, it wasn't because I've wanted to give them out to people. Yes. And so anyway, I, the, the lady came up to me and she said, can I help you? And I said, no, nah, you don't really have what I need. She goes, well, what are you looking for? I said, I want some iron stakes is what I need. She goes, oh, you need to go talk to so-and-so up in customer service. And I can't remember her name. I said, really? She goes, yeah, just go up there and talk to her. So she happened to be there that day, and I walk up, and I said, 
can you tell me anything about like iron stakes? She goes, you mean like railroad stakes? I said, yeah. She said, sure, my, my husband's a blacksmith, he makes them. I said, what? She said, yeah. I'll call him up. Just go on over there. He lives over in Granite. Go back there. And I, as I drove back there, I could smell the wood, you know, from him forge, forging in the back. And so I went there and told him what I wanted, asked him what I could pay for him. He said, no, sounds like a neat thing. I, I'm going to give them to you. So I passed out stakes at church. You got one. I got, I got some driven in properties that I've been claiming. I got one up that, yeah, I took several of them on a prayer thing with a number of churches. A couple of them are in Glen Carbon, down by the cabin, one by that tree on 157. Because this is what Tony Kemp says. He says, I see you passing out stakes. I said, I did that last week. And he said, he goes, it's because of the expansion of land and territory that you're going to be involved in. God is releasing properties for the ministry that needs to take place of what you will be involved in. And he says, it's time to lengthen your cords and strengthen those stakes. And then he says, God's bringing in some people. In fact, God is whispering in the hearts of people to come. And he says there's people even with money that are going to sow no strings attached. And whatever God places in your heart, they're going to already feel that because he's already talked to them about it. And it will happen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning this because I'm thinking to myself, well, where's it at? When is it happening? And this, these words, I, I was looking at when these words, most of these were collected uh, in 20, end of 2012 and 2013. And so I questioned God. I said, Lord, this is stuff that's old. He says, you know, a day is like a thousand years. and A thousand years is a day, you know, with me. It's not old. And I really believe that the bulk of this word is for a season as now. Even to the point that at that time, I was going to open in prayer and close in prayer at the Rotary Prayer Breakfast in Granite City. The guest speaker was going to be John O'Leary. I don't know if you know of John O'Leary, but he's written several books and quite a motivational speaker. But anyway, I really didn't know anything about him, and I'm sitting next to him, and, and all I knew is that the Lord said, you're going to be the bookend. I want you to open or hold it up on this side and on this side, and he says, I'll take care of what happens in the middle. That's what the Lord gave me. So I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sitting there. And I wanted to read from Isaiah, the 45th chapter, the anointing upon Cyrus, the Cyrus anointing. Cyrus was a wealthy man, a king, and he wanted to bless Israel with whatever they wanted to do. And he funded it. And so anyway, uh, as I'm sitting there, uh, I'm saying, I got I to gotta include this somehow. And John leans over to me and he says, and he's, you know, a believer, a Catholic, and he's, he says, you know, I just feel like this is, he goes, do you know anything about Cyrus? And I looked at him, I said, what? He goes, you know, King Cyrus. I said, Isaiah 45, Cyrus anointing, the opening up of the double doors that were open. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I do know that. In fact, that's what I'm going to bless him with today. He said, I kept feeling like this Cyrus thing was taking place. Now, anyway, that, that's all said and done. But John O'Leary was a little boy 
who got burned by an explosion in his, dry, in his garage. Gasoline blew up. He was a Cardinals fan. He became a friend of Jack Buck who would come and visit him every day. Hey, kid. You know, and he, he'd encourage him. And now John O'Leary speaks to thousands of people. In fact, they're in the process of making a movie about John O'Leary that comes out this year. So this all happens at the same time, and I'm like, okay, I, I see it. I see what's happening. I see what you're doing, God. This is a moment. This is a moment in time, and here we are as we were sitting at the table, and we were talking about some things, and Tori, I'm going to call you out. She said, is this just talk? Because we do a lot of talk. Y'all do the same thing. You know about what you want to do. Oh, yeah, I want to have five acres of land. And da, da, da. So she says, we have to move beyond the talking point. And I go, you don't even know. You have no idea. Move beyond the talking point. So I just say, why not here? If God's going to do something, let's let it happen here. Right? Why not here? Chuck Pierce, uh, uh, internationally known uh, minister, we were here with Eddie James uh, a number of years ago, and I'm standing down there in the front, and Chuck Pierce opens up his Bible, and he pulls out an old uh, 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 copy, photocopy of a map of Illinois. And he and Dutch Sheets had gone around through the states in 2008 and, and drove, uh, or had words over places in the state. And he looked at this thing. It was just an outline. It had several places there. And he said, where are we at? I said, you're in Pontoon Beach, Illinois. He goes, where is that? And so he showed me the map because he thought he was still around Chicago. He didn't know. Everybody thinks you're in Chicago. He says, but where, where are we at on this map? And I said, well, you could see it, but you've got like an, a, a star there. He goes, that's where we're at? He said, I said, yeah, right, right there. That's, that would be Highway 162. Here we are. And 10 years before that, he had written this out and put a star there saying, this is a place where God's going to move. So I say, God, if these words are true, then why not here? Amen? If this is what you want to do, then why not us? Why not you? Turn to your neighbor and say, why not us? Amen? <laughs> and why not now? Why don't we just get up and start doing it and believe God and move forward? If he says, I'm going to take care of it, then let's run with it. Amen? It doesn't matter if people say, what do those lepers want? What are they going to do? What are they gonna... It doesn't matter. God will deploy angels on our behalf to take it from the talking to the turning to the tipping point. And I don't know about you, but I've waited long enough. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. How about you? Amen? And it may not just be for us. Maybe you've got a situation that you've been dealing long enough with, and God's saying, I... you just got to say, I'm a part of that church. I'm a part of that church that says that families were going to come together. Maybe you've got kids running all over the place. But you're a part of that and you say, then why not my family? Why not today? Why not begin? Can you stand to your feet? Amen. Hallelujah. Everything that was working against you, God is going to shift it. As you move from talk, start changing your talk. 
Don't talk about the donkey head. Don't talk about the dung, dove dung. Talk about what God says. That it's going to shift. It's going to change. Incidentally, I had to go to Chicago this past week, near Chicago. I did a funeral service in Bloomington, and we took the body to be buried at Abraham Lincoln National uh, National Cemetery. Beyond that, as I was driving up there, I look down and I get a, I get a text, text from someone say, hey, call me. And uh, anyway, none other than Eddie James. And he says, man, I just keep feeling what all God did back in St. Louis at that time. And we're doing these, he's, he's, cha- he's, shift, he's changed a lot of things because he's trying to get his health under control, but he's doing like little weekend things. Uh, he calls them shift. And he said, man, there is no greater place in the St. Louis area where I've felt the hub of God and the wells of the Holy Ghost than Harvest Community Church. Would you be willing to host a shift conference this next year? I go, well, you got my attention. (laughs) You got my attention. Things out of the ordinary taking place that God says, I believe we're ready to move into it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you want to see it happen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your prayer forms, I want you to bring them up and put them here. Uh, And and everybody come up. Even if you didn't bring one, that's okay. We're going to be praying over them. But I want you to bring them up today. And I want to give a, I want to have a corporate prayer over that today. Uh, I'm sorry, in this basket, in this basket. Yep, 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 yep. Yes. Can I share something? Yes. Yes. Terry, keep, yeah. Terry feels like God's put something in his heart to share this morning. It just goes with your message. When you started the message, you mentioned the... Where I left off, now it's time to take off. Where God left off, it's time to take off. Amen? Amen. In addition to that... Oh, that's loud. I I heard God say this morning as I was getting ready, which is like the weirdest old song, we prepare the way. I just kept hearing, prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. And pastor is sometimes humble in his approach whenever he talks about prophetic words of, you know, always the the anxiously waiting, like, okay, God, when are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? And as you were saying that, I started tearing up, hearing he's already done it. These are the people that he's whispered in the hearts. These are the people that have sown without any strings attached. These are the people that all of those words that have been written about years ago, all of you are a part of that. Every single one of you is a part of that. We're not waiting for it to happen. It's happening, and it's going to continue to happen because we are going to prepare the way. And as we were talking as a family last week at the kitchen table, we kept saying, okay, like, we got to get ready. Like, we got to get, we're nowhere near ready because it's going to happen. People are going to come. Revival is going to hit. There is an anointing over this place, but church, we have to get ready. And the wonderful thing is you all are a part of the very beginning stages. The very beginning stages of what is about to happen. So prepare your hearts as we prepare the way for all of this to occur. Amen. Amen. I told Eddie, I said, well, you know, it's like a Friday night and three things on Saturday. And I said, well, if it outgrows the church, I said, you're not going to believe what we got out back. He said, what's that? I said, we got a pavilion out there. We can hold it outdoors. (laughs) And he goes, oh, come on now. I said, I'm serious. And, I, and uh, he said, well, we've done them out th- outdoor things before. You know, I had him come down to uh, in Granite City. Uh, I think it was on Delmar, just down from, 
from Judy's shop, if I'm not mistaken, but we had a trailer out there and we did a service. And as soon as the service was over, it came a downpour of rain and the water had risen so high, the sewers weren't able to take care of it. It, it moved up into the building. So it was about two feet high out there. And we had kids getting baptized in the street. He goes, I've seen stuff at Harvest Assembly or Harvest Community Church that I ain't ever seen before. I go, yeah, well, we have to, amen. amen. And one of the words said that, that, that he said, you know, people are going to come to you and say, man, this like happened overnight. And he says, you're going to tell them, well, it was a long night. I can tell you that. Amen. <laughs> but I believe that we're right on the edge of it. Amen. Amen. We're right on the cusp of it. Amen. And if you've been praying for prodigals, write their names down. If you need whatever it is, finances, health, whatever. I, I believe that, you know, I, and I told you this is one of the things that really gave me enough courage to keep going and trying was that, that uh, uh, I never read a word that says, you know, you're going to be lame, but you're not going to be able to do this. It's going to be there, but you're not going to be able to do it. So I kept holding on to that. And I said, God, surely if you told me all of this stuff, surely you would say that I would have to be wheeled around if that was what was going to happen. He said, I never said it. So I held on to that word saying, I believe that I'm still going to see it. And I'm going to be a part of it. I don't want to be like the man at the gate who saw it but didn't get to be involved. I want to be a part of it. Amen. I, I lost my cane this morning. And Phil said, he said, you didn't lose it. God was getting you ready. And I said, well, I, I dreamed last night. I, I told you I dream a lot about running. And I dreamed that we were in a marathon, a bunch of us. And, so, and I've never run a marathon in my life, you know. But I was in a marathon. Heather, you won, just so you know. <laughs> she won. But there was somebody trying to hold me back, I thought. As we were running, I didn't know who it was, but this person had their arm out like this, and I was pushing the arm, and I kept saying, God, they're trying to hold me back. And he says, no, you're pushing them forward. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> he said... Because they wouldn't have made it if you hadn't been the one behind them. And I, I thought they were holding me back. He said, no, you're pushing them forward. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he comes up to me this morning. <laughs> Dave says, you take off running and I'll follow you. I said, just don't hold me back. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we decree and we declare. We voice activate these doors of salvation, doors of deliverance that are taking place. I got a request. I'm believing for Nathan, and I'm believing for Sarah. And I'm Christy, your arm's going to get healed. The Lord reminded me uh, of Laura Callahan, who's watching from Tennessee today, that she came here a year and a half ago. We prayed over her, here, over her and the, 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 the thing was set. When she went to get the x-ray, it was already set. And God was restoring things. So we speak healing over Christy right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Father, we just decree and we declare everything that's on there. I don't know what's written. I don't know what's on there. I don't know the names, but I know how people are. And I know they've got their loved ones at heart. I know there's things that they want to do that you've put in their hearts that the enemy has tried to hold them back. But Father, this is the day. And we move beyond the talking point to the turning point to the tipping point. And whatever has been working against us is now working in their favor in Jesus' name. Jobs, businesses, ministries are rising up. And others are coming in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're joining in and we're going to have discernment to know of who to include. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So on those prayer forms, there was doors of transition and transposition and all the different things there. But the thing is, this is a time these doors are going to be voice activated and then also acting. When you step out, when you begin to do something, uh, you, you need to do that. So I just want you not just to pray and plead like you're a helpless case over these salvation. Just begin to decree. Decree. This child is saved in Jesus' name. This child will walk in their destiny that God's given to them. The finances will come in for whatever it is that, uh, that, that God's put in your heart. Amen? And, and decree it together. Let's collectively speak these things out. Paul says that we would all speak the same thing, and that's what we need to do. We don't talk about what wasn't, but we talk about what's come and what is and what is coming. Amen? In Jesus' name. Did, Maddie, did you? Where's she? Oh, there's The, oh, they're back in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Father, we bless Nora today. Thank you, God, for Marcus and Kelly. We thank you, Lord, for leading them into our lives in Jesus' name. And we speak blessings over this child. And I know we'll dedicate, but Lord, right now, even from this moment, we, we shelter this baby with the blood of Jesus, protect it from any known disease that's out there or unknown disease that the enemy's trying to take these kids with and hit them with it we come against any type of thing on that order in that order in jesus name a shield and a hedge of protection hallelujah glory to your name amen praise the lord what a day kind of glad i came to church this morning how about you <laughs> amen praise the lord